Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, hey, are you looking for new ways to make money as a blogger? If so, we have got your back. We have launched an ebook called Conversations on Monetization. Inside this resource, we take your favorite podcast episodes about monetization and we put them all in one easy, accessible package. We threw a few exclusive interviews in as well. Friends, there are so many ways to monetize your food blog. Inside this ebook, we have interviews with success stories like Todd Bullock, Alyssa Brantley, Kelly McNellis, Jenna Carlin, and more. All of these examples have become successful through completely different monetization strategies. Whether you are a brand new blogger looking for your very first revenue stream, or you are a seasoned pro wanting to diversify, this ebook is for you. Go to eatblogtalk.com to grab your copy, and we can't wait to hear your success story with monetization. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Today, I am super excited to get some time with Alana Lieberman from yourhomemadehealthy.com. And we're going to have a discussion about changing your mindset so you can feel more confident about diving into food blogging. Alana's food blog, Your Home Made Healthy, is six months old. As a newer blogger still trying to navigate the chaotic waters of the blogging world, Alana is incredibly passionate about living a healthy life, doing what she loves and encouraging others to do the same. Though her blog has the word healthy in its name, she is completely anti-diet and finds restricting yourself counterintuitive to living a healthy life. Recipes on the blog incorporate fresh and flavorful ingredients without any talk about restricting carbs, fats, animal products, etc. Also, Alana is anti-9-to-5 and hopes to use her platform to inspire others to live the life they dream of. Because the true definition of insanity is not only doing the same thing over and over again, but doing the same thing over and over again that you dread every day. <laughs> so Alana, I love that bio. I am very excited to chat with you just about balance. But first, we all want to hear your fun fact. Yeah. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how fun this fact is, <laughs> but when I was younger, I loved to help my mom in the kitchen. Um, often I would um, help her with like the easier tasks, like cutting ends off of green beans or helping her make brownies from a box. Um, but I also love watching the Food Network. So when I would do those tasks for her, I would also kind of like have my own cooking show in my head. <laughs> And I never really um, presented it to an audience or anything, but I feel like it honestly prepared me for blogging now, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, you have to put all those um, steps into your recipes and you have to put the process shots and stuff like that. So when I'm going through, I'm constantly like, well, what would younger Alana put into this recipe and what would she have to say about this? So I just think it kind of brings everything full circle um, from then to where I'm at now. And it's kind of that was a fun fact for me. Um, 
not so sure if it's fun for you guys. But I think it's very fun. And it's proof that when you put thought into things, they can actually come to fruition. I know exactly what you're saying. Even if it's just something imaginary from childhood that you circulate through your head, there can be a lot of power in that later in life. So I think that's very fun. So maybe someday you'll actually have your very own show where you're putting all of that into practice. (laughs) Right. It's kind of like the universe setting you up for the future and just kind of telling you, hey, like, keep this at your heart and it will kind of come along and you'll find a way to express this in other ways as you get older and you'll have a use for this type of skill, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. And there's a reason why it was put in your mind or on your heart to do that, to work through those steps as a child. So I'm excited to talk to you about balance because you seem to have such a great perspective on it, both in work and in life. And I loved some of the things I read in your bio, like you're very anti-diet, you're healthy, but you don't talk about people needing to restrict any certain things from their diets. I am totally the same way. I've, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about people who, you know, are on a certain diet or program at all. It's just like for me personally, I've always been the same way. And I also like that you're anti nine to five. So I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, Talk to us about how you got to the point where you realized you needed balance in your life and in your work. Yeah. um, So going back to what you're saying about how I'm anti almost everything, (laughs) um, I'm extremely passionate about healthy living and making choices in your life. So, um, you know, if the dieting is your choice to make you a healthier person, like I'm all for it. Um, But yeah, in my opinion, and I feel the same way as you, is that basically the right to choose is much healthier and the right to decide, you know, maybe I want uh, to have dessert today and I'm not going to feel guilty about it or anything because to me feeling guilty about it is almost more unhealthy than actually eating the thing that you want to eat. Um, but that kind of correlates to my um, expressions of my life um, and my philosophy and the right to choose the path that you want to go on. And Um, To me, work-life balance is incredibly important. Um, Instead of spending hours at a job that you're not passionate about or that's just a complete drain on your mental health and stuff like that, it's much healthier to maybe take those risks and take that dive into something that you may not know whether or not it's going to be successful. Um, And the way I kind of got there... um, I graduated from college and I wasn't quite sure exactly what I wanted to do. And I actually majored in anthropology back in college um, because I felt it was broad enough to kind of guide me wherever I ended up deciding on. And um, I ended up in healthcare administration. Um, I was working in management only about a year outside of college. And a lot of people would find that, you know, a pretty great achievement. And I'm not, um, you know, neglecting that as an achievement or anything, but I definitely felt that it was not where I wanted to be and it just wasn't bringing me joy in my life. Um, so it, it definitely had an impact on my relationships and I just knew that I had to find something else that really spoke to me. And um, actually by happenstance, I, I was constantly looking for that other thing that 
um, would bring me joy. And I just wasn't sure. And I was always afraid to look for it elsewhere. And I, I, I was secure in the job that I was in. Um, but come March of 2020, I was actually laid off due to COVID-19. And I was almost left with no choice but to find that career path that really brought me joy. Left with no choice. I feel like so many people have that story, me included. And I carried on in a job that was totally depleting in every sense of the word for way too long. And I was fired from my job. And at the time, it was absolutely devastating. And I'm sure when you got to that point, being laid off, it was devastating. Or it, I don't want to use the word devastating, but like, you know, alarming and just scary, really scary. Um, but looking back, I love that you were able to see it as such a big blessing. So how did you move forward from there? How long did it take you to kind of gather yourself and then decide that you were going to jump into food blogging? Um, I actually created, it, it took me a little bit. I created a spreadsheet. Um, I can be fairly type A in some aspects. So I created the spreadsheet um, with almost all the type of jobs that I could think of. And I'm, you know, putting pros and cons and, you know, it's more like, oh, I can go into finance or I can go into, um, you know, all these different more practical jobs, I guess. And I ended up with a lot more cons than pros because I'm just not a practical job type of person. Um, and so what ended up happening is while I was doing that spreadsheet, I actually came across um, a food blogger who uh she was looking for an unpaid intern and I was nervous to apply for it. And I wasn't sure, you know, especially because financially it really wouldn't do much for me, but um, I was bored and I had nothing else to do. And so I was like, you know what, let's just try this. And so um, my drive to just kind of try new things helped in that decision-making process. And I ended up just doing it. And I think a big part of that, um, in my college studies, actually, what happened was I, because I did, I majored in anthropology, I did um, take a lot of gen ed courses, and I wanted to learn a bunch of diverse uh, things. I took a lot of psychology classes. And one of the main things that stuck with me throughout the psychology courses was this concept of an internal versus external locus of control. Have you heard of that? I have not explained that. Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. Um, they did a study and they give out like questionnaires to um, a bunch of participants and it asks them questions um, to determine whether or not they have an internal or an external locus of control. So like the questions, for example, would ask um, how they relate to a statement like this. People often succeed because they are in the right place at the right time. And then it would give them another statement that kind of contradicts this and would say, Success is mostly dependent on hard work and ability. Um, so it kind of helped the um, people studying to determine uh, how the people felt they had control over their life. And so um, if people felt that uh, people only succeeded because they are in the right place at the right time, then they had this external locus of control, which meant that the world basically controls your fate. Um, and then those that um, felt closer to the statement, success is mostly dependent on hard work and ability, 
those people had an internal locus of control where they felt that they got to control their own destiny and it was based on on their own beliefs and their hard work and stuff like that. And so um, basically what the study found was that those that had more of an external locus of control, um, they weren't as successful. They always felt that they just had to sit around and wait for success and that they had no choice in the matter. And those that um, had the internal locus of control went out and got it for themselves. And I feel like I try to um, embody that internal locus of control and figure things out on my own, figure out how I can tackle it and how I can control the situation. So although the um, universe was teaching me something and, you know, laying or I was laid off from my job and I could have gone about it and said, well, you know, COVID is ruining everything and coronavirus is such a burden and all this stuff. And of course it is. And I know it's been really hard on a lot of families and, and, you know, people, but it also can serve as a learning opportunity where you could say, you know, I'm not going to let it define me and I'm not going to let it hold me back. And that's kind of where that study really um, influenced me and my decisions on my life. Oh my gosh, Alana, I love everything you just said. That aligns so much with the way that I operate and the things that I believe as well. And I love how you framed that using the external and internal, uh, what is it, locus of control Mm -hmm. from psychology class. (laughs) Isn't that funny, the things that we take from psychology class? I still remember certain things that I'm like, I, I don't know why I remember, but I carry it with me. But psychology is so interesting. But I just love the way you presented all of that. Um, just so inspiring. So how does somebody go from maybe being more on that external side to going over to the internal side? Do you have recommendations for that? Yeah, um, I think you just kind of have to sit down with yourself and really determine what it is that you want. Um, if it's something that scares you, that's almost better because that means you really want it and you're really passionate about getting there. Um, I think one of the biggest things that you can do is just kind of go on that journey, um, especially if you don't know where it will take you. So it's your way of saying to the world or to the outside forces that you feel may be um, dampening your life and your choices. You can tell them, you know what, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to take the opportunities that are presented to me. And if they're not presented to me, I'm going to make the opportunities on my own. Um, so just go on that journey, um, keep putting one foot in front of the other, like I did with the unpaid internship. I mean, within weeks of working for that food blogger, I started my own blog and just kept chugging along and I loved every minute of it. So you never know where the journey will really take you, honestly. That is so cool. So if something scares you, that's probably a sign that you need to explore it more. And it took me a really long time in my life to figure this equation out, but I came to a point, I don't know when it was, a few years ago probably, where I was like, okay, that's terrifying. And instead of running from it, I was like, terrifying, but I need to go do it. And just running into the fear anyway, no matter what you're afraid of, because most likely once you start going into the fear, you're going to realize it's not as scary as you thought. And once you start getting onto the other side, you realize that there's so much reward for being brave enough to do that. Yeah, I I agree completely. And like I said, it, the bigger the dreams, the bigger the goals, the scarier they'll be. 
And that just means you have to work the hardest you've ever worked in your life to achieve them. And once you do, you'll feel so proud and it will be probably the most rewarding experience you'll ever have. And there is a lot of scary things, I think, about food blogging, especially for someone on the outside that hasn't really dug into it yet. I mean, there's like networking with people, um, talking to people who are, quote, successful. There's putting your content out there for the world to see, being vulnerable on your blog and also on social media. There's so much that is really truly scary. So how did you get into that? And what were the scary things for you, I guess, going in? And how did you leap past them? Uh, Yeah, so I really just dove deep. I tried to find as many resources as possible so that I felt like knowledge was power. Um, So the more things that I knew regarding this scary goal that I had of starting my own food blog and my own business, the more power empowered I felt and the better I felt to be able to tackle those goals and um, help me on that journey. Um, One of the biggest pieces of advice I could give the audience or anyone that's listening is really just invest in yourself. Um, I listened to, on top of listening to Eat Blog Talk, I listened to the Food Blogger Pro podcast as well. And one of their biggest um, takeaways is this concept of 1% infinity. Um, basically you do small things to get better day by day and over time you just will see remarkable results. You know, things don't change overnight, but as long as you do these smaller things to get better day by day, um, you'll see the hard work paying off. And one of the, um, scarier things that I did is I also invested in myself in paying for a mastermind. Um, and that's Sam Adler, um, Crossing and Fettuccine's Mastermind. She does a photography styling uh, course where um, she had about, I want to say like 10 to 20 ladies um, come together, all basically food bloggers or in blogging and food photography niche. And we got to work off of each other's ideas and ask Sam's questions and She's um, been doing this, I think, for about three to four years, and she's very successful at it. And so we got to bounce ideas off of her. And for her expertise, it definitely wasn't cheap. It's definitely an investment. And that was the scariest part for me was that I wasn't making money off my business, but I still had to put money into it. And to make that decision really just makes you go back and forth. You know, is this worth it? And am I worth it? Do I want to do this? And I think once I put the money in, again, I was telling the outside forces, whatever they are, that they can't control me and they don't control my destiny. But instead, I'm taking it upon myself to control my goals and where I want to be. Oh, I love that too, Alana, so much. And there is such power in masterminds and getting together with people who can challenge you and help you grow. I love the concept of the mastermind. So what advice do you have for someone who is listening and they're like maybe at a job and they're just thinking about food blogging, like um, just on the outskirts of it, you mentioned investing in yourself, uh, surrounding yourself with people who can help you grow. What other advice would you have for them? Um, I would generally say, I've I've said it multiple times, but really just take that leap and um, just Feel confident in your own abilities. You're 
passionate about it. And when you're passionate about it, you're going to be successful at it because you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. Um, so I would just say, trust yourself and take those leaps and really just hit the floor running and uh, invest in yourself. Like I said, like, I just can't push these points any harder because they're just so true and um, really educate and learn as much as possible about the thing that you're passionate about. That is all great advice. And I do think we need to hear things over and over. I, I love it when people are like, okay, I already said this, but I'm saying it again because sometimes we just need to hear those things and it takes like four or five times. And we're like, oh, okay. So I need to invest in myself. But seriously, I think everything you're saying is gold. Really, truly like invest in yourself, jump into fears, take the leaps. If you're passionate about it and scared of it, do it anyway. So let's talk about monetization. So you've been doing this for six months. Are you monetizing yet? Um, I'm actually, my blog itself isn't monetized. Um, my goal is obviously to apply to an ad network and get into that um, with my blog. But um, <laughs> repeating again here, but again, I told those forces that, you know what, I'm not just going to sit around and wait for them to decide when I get to monetize. But um, I basically took it upon myself to monetize a business of my own. And I do virtual assistant services for other successful bloggers. Um, actually, it's interesting um, with the whole web story craze right now. I have a few clients that have asked me to help them with those. And that's just proof that I've spent hundreds of thousands of hours just learning these past few months. And um, just diving deep into all things blogging, even the new things like web stories, and just really try to make it successful so that I can keep growing where I find joy. And um, to me, uh, being a virtual assistant is how I'm able to do that and until I'm able to monetize my blog. I love this about you, Alana. You're resourceful. So instead of just sitting back and being like, well, the ads aren't here yet, I will just wait for them. You went out and you found something that food bloggers needed, web stories. That's super resourceful. Um, it's one of those things that we're being told you should probably experiment with, but nobody really wants. I mean, we don't have enough time, right? Everyone's like, I'm short on time. When am I going to fit in web stories? And you saw that opportunity to do it for other people. I love that. That's awesome. So whether you do something like that or just find something that aligns with food blogging that you're passionate about, like photography or videography or writing that you can offer to food bloggers is another way to be resourceful. Um, do you have any other ideas? Like VA work is great, um, but I do know quite a few people currently who are waiting for ads. What else can they do in the meantime to bring in money? Um, I definitely know there are multiple ways to monetize um, and ads just are touching the surface of that. But um, if you even reach out to brands and um, do some work for them. So again, educate yourself in photography and recipe development. And even if you don't have a huge following or if you um, don't have a lot of readers to your blog yet, you can do what's called white label work for other brands. And um, instead of them having you post stuff onto your um, social media or your blog, you can always um, encourage them to hire you uh, to put it onto their advertising, their blogs or their websites or their social media. And this way, your follower count won't matter because 
it, it ha- really has nothing to do with it. It's really based off of your talent and your skills that you're providing to them um, and they'll pay you for it. And so that's another avenue that I'm hoping to get into. I'm not quite there yet myself, um, but definitely something else to help you monetize while you wait for the followers and the ads that kind of come along with your hard work. That's a great recommendation. What are your thoughts about just kind of overall balance. So as you know, food blogging is like all consuming. It can take up all of our time if we allow it. But we have lives. We have people who need us. Most of us do. So how do you recommend just kind of like an overall balance, achieving an overall balance in our lives so that we do stay happy and not um, stressed out? Yeah, um, I would definitely to schedule into your busy calendar um, those days for yourself. So the biggest thing um, that I felt in my nine to five was that I had no flexibility. I had to go in when my boss told me to go in and I had to leave when they said my work was done. Um, And I know the work is never done on the food bloggers journey, but you can kind of shift your hours a bit more because you're not um, reporting to someone else and their strict guidelines. And so um, just the same way that you would put, you know, post blog posts by 9 a.m. on Tuesday, you should also put in, you know, at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, go get a manicure or, you know, go for a walk outside or, you know, find those ways to really find time for yourself. Um, If your kids have a recital or a sporting event, you know, obviously post COVID or anything, but put those into your calendar, too, to make the time. Um, to be a part of your family again and so that you don't turn this job that was supposed to be your escape from that nine to five into a much longer work day and instead you get to have that flexibility and really work it into your schedule instead of the other way around. I love So you're in control of your schedule instead of being a victim to your schedule and saying, I'm always, I used to do this, I'm always busy, I never have time for X and then realized over time as I matured maybe that actually I have time for anything I want to have time for and the things I really need in my life are peace and my family and for health and if I'm not taking my schedule and controlling it myself it will control me (laughs) and that is not a good way to go about living life and operating a business right Right. Especially so many people want to become a food blogger. And when before they even start that journey, they realize, you know what, I want the freedom and this is what's going to give me that. Well, then they go through and they realize that that's not necessarily the case. There's social media and there's posting and there's photography and there's the website, you know, the front end and the back end. And so many things you have to stay on top of that if you truly want that freedom that you wanted when you made the decision to become a food blogger or anything, I guess, that is um, your own business or your own thing and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. You really just have to schedule in that time because you're in most cases, I mean, some people, I guess, have partners, but in most cases, you're the only person that's going to work on this business and the work is still going to be there the next day, but you have to find the time to be there for the other people in your life. And that's why, relationships are usually better when you're your own boss instead of uh, reporting to somebody else because you get to tell yourself, hey, I'm going to spend time with you know my kids today. And I think if you were to go and tell a boss that, 
they may not be so happy that their work isn't getting done. So it's very important to, to make that decision for yourself. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I have a question for you that I did not prep you for, but I'm curious to hear what you would say. So what piece of advice would you have given yourself a handful of years ago before you went into food blogging just about being an entrepreneur before you were an entrepreneur? Now having some knowledge, what would you say to yourself? I probably would have done, I would have told myself to open your eyes and pay more attention because what actually, the funny thing is I was constantly reading food blogs and I was using the recipes and everything. And what happened was I would just, I would go online and I would see this text and and the recipe and all, all the beautiful pictures and I would use it and I would close it out. And I never thought twice about where this content was coming from and who was presenting it and what they were and what they did and stuff like that. But now looking back, it's like I could have done this probably 10 years ago when I was, you know, if I just questioned things, if I just said to myself, you know what, where, where is this recipe coming from? And who is this lady that's typing it all out? And does she make money from this? Um, I know that probably doesn't speak to any or many other people, but I guess the overarching lesson would be just question the things around you a, a bit more and try to learn. And maybe that will answer some of the things that are missing in your life. Um, because if you just kind of have blinders on, you may not learn about the opportunities that are out there. And do you agree with this, that trying to be more present and living in the moment would help in that way? Or like really it would help so many people have clarity about so many things? Yeah. I mean, just don't take things for what they are. Um, be inquisitive um, and just always try to learn and try to grow from anything that you encounter. I mean, uh, even the simplest things that you use daily, just learn how they work or what they're there for. And it probably will open you your eyes to a whole other world um, and, and pr- hopefully prevent present you with some more meaning. Um, Cause I, yeah, I just wish that I had jumped, I mean, hindsight 2020, but I just wish I had jumped onto the blogging thing when I was back in college even. Um, and I just never questioned it. So, so you've already made a really good case for why food bloggers should move past their fears if they have any. Um, what else do you have to say on that? If you're trying to convince someone who's like, I don't know, Alana, I'm not so sure this is scary or why should I, what would you say to them? Like you should start food blogging if it's a passion for you because. Your fear definitely shouldn't outweigh what's to come. Um, I think that if you do nothing, you will never see what the possibilities are. Um, And I'm struggling to put this in a more succinct way, but basically if you just sit there in your comfort zone, then you're just never going going to grow. You're never going to know what else it could have been. And then you're just stuck with the what ifs and beating yourself up about it. So I would just say, you know, and it sounds so cliche and it's so easy for me to just go out and tell you, you know, hey, like quit your job or hey, do this. But, you know, it's just that you could either live your life and with unknowns in your comfort zone and just be miserable um, and then just realize that all that time spent, you know, what are you 
why are you chugging along like that and upset when you could try to make a difference in your life? Um, so I'm sorry, I'm going roundabout on this, but basically just, uh, you just want to make a difference and you want to be the one to find, again, that internal locus of control where you take charge of your life. And instead of, you know, thinking about the what ifs, you can think of, well, I could be really successful. And instead changing that mindset and having that shift just really will boost you and boost your confidence um, because you're not stuck in your own fears and you can shift it to say, well, what if I'm really successful at this instead of what if I'm unsuccessful? I think that was very well said. And mindset, in my opinion, is everything. And the cool thing about mindset is that we have complete control over it in any given situation. You mentioned COVID earlier and just being able to see it with a different lens. And we all have that choice. I mean, there are bad things every day. There's, I don't know, I encounter things all the time that are attempting to weigh me down or bring me down. And I have the choice in every single moment to let it or to not. So I think mindset is so huge, not just in business, but like the way that you live every day and the way that you show up for the people who need you. So I love this whole um, interview, Alana. This is like right up my alley and I feel like you and I would be really fast friends. Um, Is there anything that you feel like we should really touch on before we start saying goodbye? Yeah, I would just say that you really just need to dive deep. Um, Obviously, before you make any jumps into anything um, and make any life-changing decisions, you really have to figure out what your true self is looking for and if it's the right fit for you. So I don't want to make the impression that I'm saying, you know, just go out there and and do whatever and just, you know, see what sticks, but you want to be very intentional in your mindset and in your decision-making. So maybe if you are working your nine to five job, um, see if there's ways in that job that you're currently working that you can relate to what you want to do eventually. So um, ask your boss to work on a project that maybe you wouldn't have been assigned to normally, but it relates to something that you want to do in the future. And so you're making those changes for yourself or, um, you know, after you get home from work, you find the time to really learn photography and you really learn about blogging or whatever else it is that you want to do so that when the time is right, you can feel confident in making that leap. Um, And you may be miserable and your days may be long while you learn the other path, but it will help you make that leap and it will change your mindset to feel more confident in knowing that you can be successful. Um, But when you do master that skill or when you do know enough to know that you want to do something, that's when you should definitely take the leap because again, living in fear will do nothing for you. And uh, it's just all about that leap. That's really going to help you just pivot to success. So well said. I love all of that. And I have to ask you, I was looking on your website. There is a picture of you with Giada. Tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that really happened Coincidentally, um, I was in Las Vegas for my 21st birthday and we were eating at her restaurant and we um, 
asked the waitress and we're like, oh, is Giada here today? Just you know, joking around, you know, never thinking that she would be. And actually the waitress said no, that she had left town. She was there recently and she was already gone. But then when we were leaving the restaurant, um, it's on like the second level of the hotel. We're like going down the escalator and I see this familiar face coming up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's her. So I was nudging my mom who was with me and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to freak out, but like that's her on the elevator. And we basically ran back upstairs and my mom told her that it was my birthday and she took a picture with me and quickly after she slipped into the kitchen so that nobody else could see her. But it was definitely one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I love that story. And you look so happy and cute. I love that picture. <laughs> I bet you just cherish that. Definitely. It definitely goes back to those days of watching the Food Network and pretending I was my own host of a, of a cooking show. Yes. Yeah, so. See, it came back around. That's mm -hmm. so cool. And your dog is adorable. Oh, what a cute dog. Thank you. Yes, he loves helping me in the kitchen and sniffing everything, trying to steal a few scraps. Yes, I have one of those too. He's always eager. And I think there's like one food I found that he won't eat and that is mushrooms. So everything else he's very um, willing to eat when I drop it. So I already asked you, you already shared great inspiration. Do you have anything additional? Sometimes people have like an extra quote they want to share uh, yeah, I just want to say, um, so when I took Sam's mastermind, um, we had weekly calls where you get to ask her questions. And I, I did ask her um, one day when I was doubting myself how she handles the constant fear of, you know, possibly being unsuccessful and not making enough money for the year, especially leaving a consistent paycheck and stuff like that. And one thing that she said to me that really stuck out was um, this quote here that I wrote down. It says, um, it can be really scary not having a consistent paycheck. And there's always that risk that um, you might not make what you expected to this year. But the exciting thing is that if you shift your mindset, you can also believe in yourself enough to make more than what you expected to make. And not many jobs are like that. Um, and just hearing her say that really gave, gave me chills. Um because I never really thought about it like that. And I hope maybe that provides a new pers perspective to everyone else because I always thought like venturing out on my own, you know, I may not make my salary requirements and everyone has bills and responsibilities, but I never quite thought about it that I could always make more. And, and that's really what could keep me going. And when you work that nine to five for a boss, your salary is predetermined. And no matter how much time and effort you put in, it's always going to be whatever you determined when you started working. Um, but when you work for yourself and or if you're a blogger or, you know, a virtual assistant or anything like that, where you get to decide and call the shots on your own, you can always live in fear. But also, if you shift that mindset and say, well, I can just you know, add a few more clients or I can work extra hard and put out more recipes and I can make this happen for myself. You're not stuck at someone else's salary expectations and you can truly grow and um, see the results of your efforts. And that just really spoke to me. Oh, I love that you have a quote that stuck with you that is inspiring you and kind of lifting you up in a new way. I think it's so important to hold on to those gems as we find them and yeah, anything is possible in food blogging. So it might as well go to the side 
that's going to favor you, right? So instead of thinking negatively, like, will I ever get into that ad network? Go big, go on the other side and think huge because that is possible. Anything is possible. Right. Constantly doubting yourself. I mean, obviously, you just won't do well then. You know, if you are telling yourself you're not going to do it, you're not going to. But if you tell yourself you will, you'll find the ways that you will. And, and they may not fall in your lap, but you'll work the hardest you've ever worked before to make them happen because you don't want to lie to yourself and you want to succeed and do what it takes to succeed. Doubt and fear, I found, just breed failure because when you doubt yourself and you're filled with that fear, nothing good comes of that ever. So why not go big on the other side and believe in yourself and good things can happen? Not just good things, but things that you never saw coming in a good way will start coming into your life. And here's something else about that. Like, have you found this, Alana, that when you are like desperate for something, that it never happens. But when you just kind of let it go with a positive mindset, that good things just flood into your life. Yeah, kind of like how the whole um, food blogger internship kind of stumbled upon me. You know, like I um, was making that spreadsheet and being very intentional, but I never had food blogger on the list. (laughs) It just, when you're putting out the vibes that I'm determined to find something and determined to do something, Um, It may not be how you intended to find it, um, but like you said, it just kind of will happen as long as you stay determined and positive. Yeah. I always think of like desperation when I was, I don't know, a teenager, early 20s and dating and, you know, like there's someone really cute that you want to date and you're just like, I really need it. I need it. And that situation never happens. So I always compare it to that desperation does not equal good healthy things <laughs> comparing identify with that that's a good yeah example. comparing dysfunctional relationships to exactly. food vlogging <laughs> right oh. when you tell yourself you're done dating and then find the perfect guy or, exactly you know, yes exactly <laughs> yeah we'll put together a show notes page for you alana and we'll just detail all of the things that we talked about some main takeaways and if anyone wants to go find that you can see it at eatblogtalk.com forward slash your home made healthy. Alana, tell everyone where they can find you online. Yeah, um, I'm yourhomemadehealthy.com. So um, you can find me there. That's where all my recipes are. Um, And then you can also follow along. I'm mostly on Instagram, um, yourhomemadehealthy there as well. And um, I have Facebook, but not too active there. (laughs) Trying to really hone in on um, the recipes and blogging and then hoping to expand my reach after that. I think that's smart. And I am with you. I'm not super into Facebook, but (laughs) we have to have the account, right? Right, exactly. Everyone go check out Alana on all her platforms. And thanks again for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.